Hey, I'm Matt Simpkins, pastor of Christ South, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope this builds you up. I hope this helps you in your faith. I hope this helps you to see God at work. We'll see you at the end of the podcast. So dear sisters and brothers in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> what do you say to a person when they say to you, the Lord just spoke to me and said, how do you respond to that? Nah, did not. <laughs> or, I didn't know you spoke Hebrew. <laughs> or maybe, really, what did she say? <laughs> There's a lot of different responses, right? Um, I'm not exactly sure how to respond to that because, well, my experience is that God is much more subtle. I would like it to be different. I would like God to, to be, you know, writing it in the sky. I would like a Tuesday afternoon with God every week. I'd even like a magic eight ball. Wouldn't that be great right there on your desk? You got a tough question, you shake it, you turn it up, and don't count on it. That would be tough to get every time. So I would like it to be much more obvious, but my experience is it's not. And I bet it's yours as well. So the pastors got together a couple of months ago to talk about a sermon series for the first of the year. And we realized that many of us had had this same conversation about how does God speak to me? How do I know what is God's will? How do I discern that from my own wishful thinking? We've been having a lot of these conversations, I think, together, and it comes to this point. And as we talked, as the pastors talked, we meet over at uh, Harris Teeter at Ray Farms. That's our kind of gathering, gathering spot there. We realize that God speaks a lot of different ways, doesn't he? God speaks in scripture. God speaks through prayer. God speaks through intimate conversations with a trusted believer. God speaks by putting a desire in our hearts. God speaks by opening doors and closing others. And God speaks sometimes in the chaos and sometimes in the silence. God speaks a lot of different ways. And as we talked about all these ways, we realized that, that God has provided examples of each one of these examples in the book of Acts. So the next couple of weeks, we're going to be taking a look at Acts and see how God is speaking and how God is speaking to you. And we're going to talk about all those kinds of ways that I just mentioned. But today, <clears throat> today we're going to talk about God speaking in silence. In the silence. Do you know what that is? <laughs> in a world filled with ringtones and 24-hour news and overscheduled lives, do you know what silence is. Mother Teresa struggled for a long time with not feeling or hearing God's presence. She wrote it in her diary 
and just talked about this dark night of the soul, but realized that in that silence, she rediscovered God. She was interviewed one time, one of those talk shows, and, um, and, the, and the guest found, or the host found out she prays three hours a day. And the host said, you pray three hours a day? What, what are you praying for for three hours a day? And, and she says, I, uh, I mostly listen. And then, she's, and then the, the, the host said, you mean God speaks to you? Yes. Well, then he followed up. Well, what does God say to you? And she said, God mostly listens too. It is in that silence, Mother Teresa writes, in the silence of the heart, God speaks. In the silence of the heart, God speaks. But how do you quiet the noise and the chaos in our lives enough to get into that point of silence? That's what I want to talk about today. And before I get into the Acts text, I want to start with a great story from the Old Testament with the prophet Elijah. Now, Elijah, a great prophet of the Lord, and he, he got into battle, he got into war with Queen Jezebel. 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 I, I don't know any Jezebels these days. I have never baptized a Jezebel. Pastor Matt, have you ever baptized a Jezebel? Oh, yeah? <laughs> there are some names we don't name our children. Lucifer, Judas, Jezebel. <laughs> because Jezebel was a wicked queen who followed not our God, but she followed Baal, B-A-A-L. It was the false god of the Canaanites. And they had a lot of following. So Elijah came up, and he took... He challenged 450 prophets of Baal to a championship of the world. He said, you build an altar, I'll build an altar. You sacrifice a bull, I'll sacrifice a bull. You pray to your God to rain down fire, I'll pray to my God to rain down fire. Deal? It was a battle royale, a cage match, winner take all. And so the 450 prophets of Baal went first. They built their altar, they sacrificed their bull, and then for a full day, these 450 prophets were dancing and singing and chanting and cutting themselves and wailing and crying before Baal. And not even a spark. Elijah said, are you done? Elijah built a simple altar. He sacrificed a bull. And then he asked for four large jugs to come in, and they doused everything in water. Load up the jugs again. Came back a second time, doused it with water. And then a third time, doused it with water. And then Elijah says just a simple prayer. Oh, Lord, show your power. Show that you are real and send down fire. 
and immediately the fire came down, destroyed the bull, burned up the altar, evaporated all the water, and melted the stone. And the crowd went wild! (laughs) Except for Queen Jezebel, who was incredibly angry with Elijah and said something in the vernacular, I'm going to get you. (laughs) I'm going to kill you for that. And Elijah runs away and hides. Now think about this. He has just displayed the most awesome power of God before all the false prophets of Baal. He has shown that God is not only real, but God is on his side. And when one queen Jezebel says, I'm going to get you, he suddenly forgets everything, runs away, finds a cave, cowers in a corner, and hides. Of course, you can't hide from God, right? And so God finds him and says, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah, at this point, is going through a a bit of a pity party for himself. And Elijah says this, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets, and I, I alone am left, and they seek to kill me. You ever felt that way before? I have to do everything around this place. Nobody works as hard as I do. Nobody cares as much as I do. And I, and I alone am left. I say that every week at church. I and I alone am left. (laughs) So Elijah went through a little bit of a pity party, thinking he's all by himself. He's not sure where to go. He's not sure what to do. He's not sure where to turn. And if God is going to be clear, God's going to be clear now, right? Elijah needs a little encouragement. We know the Lord God is powerful and real and on Elijah's side. If God is going to be blatant, this is the time to do it. So Elijah goes to the front of the cave entrance to see about the power of God. And this happens. A great and strong wind splits the mountain, broken into pieces. Now that's obvious, right? A big tornado comes. God has to be. God has to be in that tornado. And yet the text says, (laughs) but the Lord was not in the wind. So Elijah stayed at the front of the gate, and second came, and after the wind, an earthquake. If God's going to be in anything, it's going to be in an earthquake. I mean, even insurance companies say an earthquake is an act of God, right? So Elijah's thinking, God's got to be in the earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. Where is God? So the third time he goes out there, and after the earthquake, a fire. God is always in the fire, leading the people out of Israel by a fire, a pillar of fire at night. God is always in the fire, and yet the Lord was not in the fire. Don't you ever want God to be obvious don't you i do is it too hard to ask god that you write it in the sky 
Is that too much to ask? Or at least come in a tornado or an earthquake or fire. And yet Elijah's still not sure where God is. And after that's all done, there's a still, small voice. What was that? Was it audible? Was it a whisper? Was it a nudge? Was it a gut feeling? Was it in his heart? It was a still, small voice. Did I really hear that? And the still, small voice went back to Elijah with the same question. What are you doing here, Elijah? Haven't you heard that whisper at some time in your life in which your life didn't turn out the way you had expected? Situations didn't go as smoothly as you had planned. Relationships were kind of tense and broken apart. You wonder, how in the world did I ever get to this point? And maybe you've heard that still small voice say the same thing to you. What are you doing here, Karen? What are you doing here, John? What are you doing here? What are you doing here, Susie? What are you doing here, Wayne? How'd you get to this point? God is there in that still, small voice, found in that silence. And how do you get to the point? How do you get to the point of calming your life down enough to be able to hear or feel that nudge. You know, I bet you've, you've heard that phrase before, somebody, somebody saying to you, don't just sit there, what? Do something. Don't just sit there, do something. But if we really want to hear God speak, if we really want to know God's will and direction for our lives, we need to flip that around. Don't just do something. Sit there. Don't just do something, sit there in the silence and wait. Now that's got to be one of the most difficult things any one of us is going to do, right? I hate to wait. I hate to wait. I, I am one of those people that counts how many items you have in your cart before that express line there. I... I, I won't say anything, but in my mind, I'm, I'm counting. I'm, I hate to wait. There's a guy in New York City, his name is Robert Samuel, and he found out people hate to wait. So when he was unemployed, he sat in line for another person for 19 hours to get an iPhone. He's a professional waiter, and not the kind that brings food. He is a professional line waiter. He has stood in line for anything from an iPhone to brunch to Broadway tickets. And as he realized that people hate to wait, he has created a whole business now. This is his job. He has other people working for him, and you'll have to pay 
$25 an hour to have somebody stand in line for you and wait. That's how much we hate waiting. We're going to pay somebody else to be a waiter. How much do you hate to wait? Now, all of that really is teeing up our story from the book of Acts. Because here is where it's all about waiting in the silence commanded by Jesus. Let me read to you the text. This is from Acts chapter 1. The setting is Jesus has died, he has risen from the dead. And before he has ascended back into heaven, he spends, anybody know? 40 days on earth with his disciples after the resurrection and before the ascension. 40 days in which he's communicating to his disciples. And it says this, After his suffering, he presented to them and gave them convincing proof that he was alive. And he appeared to them over a period of 40 days. He spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, the resurrected Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. But wait. There's that dreaded word, isn't it? It is commanded by Jesus. Jesus says, wait. Now, I don't mind waiting if I could do something. I don't mind waiting for a hurricane. If I can go out and pick up batteries and food and water, I'm doing something. I, I, don't, I don't mind waiting for Christmas. I can do things of decoration and travel and sermon stuff and church. I, we didn't even mind waiting for a baby to come. We could fix up a nursery. We could make sure we're doing some healthy living and exercise. That, that's a different kind of waiting. That's a waiting and doing. But Jesus isn't saying that. He is saying, I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait. Don't do anything. Don't say anything. Don't go anywhere. And for God's sake, don't touch anything. Just wait, and you will receive power from on high. Now, to their credit, perhaps for the first time, the disciples actually understand and obey Jesus. They go to Jerusalem, and they spend 10 days in prayer. And then, of course, the whole Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit comes, and it's the birthday of the church, right? And they receive power from on high. But let's step back for a second. When Jesus commanded them and commands us to just wait in the silence, what is God doing? Let's open that up here. You're a pretty bold group of people. I heard you during that uh, the, the reading here from Psalm 46. What are some possible things that God is doing during that period of waiting? It's not wasted time. It's not wasted time. What is God doing during that time of waiting? Preparing us. How might he be preparing us? Good. That's one thing. 
Realize, putting people in your path. So realizing that your situation, you are just one piece of a larger puzzle. And God is putting other people, other events, and drawing them all together into one mosaic. Don't think you're the only piece. All right? What else is God doing? Focusing us. Focusing us. We may think that this is a path I have to go on, but maybe God wants you to move that just a little bit. God's using that time to align your will with his will. What else? Yes. Opening your heart. Maybe God's softening your heart. Maybe you're thinking that you're going in there with some, a little bit of anger. Maybe you're going in there with uh, less than pure motives. And God is using that period there to soften your heart. Or maybe God, on the other side, is using that time to harden your heart. That is, maybe toughen you up a little bit. You're a little bit thin-skinned. If you go down that path, just realize it's going to be rough and hard, and you're going to get beat up. Maybe God's toughening your heart, too. What else could God be doing? Give you rest. Isn't that good? That this is going to be a long and arduous journey. Before you just go launching down that path, time to rest. Time to rest. God can be doing a whole lot of things during this time, huh? He can be deepening your faith. He can be clarifying your vision. He can be increasing your resolve. He can be maturing you as a person. He can be preparing all these other things that you don't know have to go into it. It's not wasted time. Waiting on the Lord is never wasted time. In fact, I did a Google search about waiting on the Lord. There's over 100 passages in Scripture that talk about waiting on the Lord. Let me give you just a few. Would you put those up there? Let's read these together. Don't, don't read the, uh, the book or the chapter or the verse. Let's just read the words here. Read it with me. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. I pray for the Lord. My soul waits. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you I wait all the day long. For God alone, my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. I wait patiently for the Lord. One hundred times, over a hundred times, God is saying, wait. It's not wasted time. We just heard from the community of believers here that God is busy during that time of waiting. Oh, I wish it were different. I wish I had a magic eight ball. I wish I could keep it with me at all times, shake it up, turn it around, get the answer, and move on. That would be good. But God didn't consult me. God, in his wisdom, has chosen, has chosen oftentimes to work in the silence, to work while we wait. This was the command that Jesus gave the disciples. And that's the command he gives to us. I want you to go to the upper room 
and wait, and you will receive power from on high. It's true. It's a promise. And it's in that silence we will hear what Elijah experienced, that still, small voice. Is it a whisper? Is it a nudge? Is somehow God putting together the pieces? So, don't just do something. Sit there in the silence. Sit there in silence. And the Bible promises it will be well worth the wait. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word today commands us to do something that we find so incredibly difficult to wait in the silence for your still small voice, for your timing, for your ways. Lord, it is an act of submission. It's an act of obedience. But use that time in each one of us, O oh Lord, to prepare our hearts, to align our vision, to rearrange events, so that when we can say, in looking back, the Lord is in this place. And all God's children say, Amen. All right, I hope that was helpful. If so, I ask you a couple of things. One, share this with a friend so that they can hear some good news in their life too. And if you want to continue that impact beyond, we ask that you go to ChristSouth.org to the online giving tab and give to this ministry so that we can continue to share this with others. We'll see you on the next podcast or maybe in person at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at Polo Ridge Elementary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Blessings and peace. Have an awesome week.